0: You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.mbcocala.com. We're going to finish uh, our series today. We're never done. Do you understand that? We're never done. Um, But we're going to wrap up our series on encouragement today. Has that been an encouragement to anybody? Have y'all gotten anything out of us? Good, good. And today, some real important things. Uh, We've declared that 2010, I believe the Lord has prompted this, 2010, this is still 2010, right? Okay. You know, time is ripping by, uh, to be a year of growth and secondary is numerical growth of the church that happens. And we're grateful for that. And we do expect that also, but primarily it is the growth of you as an individual coming more into wholeness and stability and maturity in Jesus. And that that spiritual growth is the key to progress in your life. And so we're giving ourselves to that. Everything is aimed at that. It is all the time, but we're emphasizing that even more and more. So we're going to wrap up on encouragement today. Uh, Actually, this is called the ministry of encouragement because you, say me, you you have a responsibility. You have a ministry to encourage folks. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Next week, I'm starting a brand new series entitled Traps and Tricks traps and tricks part of getting your way through all of this is being aware of traps and tricks and the word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path also if we can have some prior knowledge of some things we can be aware and the scripture is very clear on some traps and tricks how many of you know that god is the creator not the devil therefore the devil is not very creative And he uses the same tired old, stale old stuff. But guess what? We keep falling for it. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to spend about six weeks on traps and tricks. Don't miss it. The first trap that will be laid, the first trick that will try to be pulled is to keep you from getting here. That's what I think. All right. All right. Let's talk about encouragement here this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11 in the New Living, it says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing you and i have a responsibility we have a ministry to encourage one another it is unique to the family of god that this is an important thing and listen to me the root word is courage And we've talked about this, that when you encourage someone, you help to put courage in them. When you discourage someone, you help to take courage out of them. And you know what? God does not take lightly to that. It's a very serious thing when you discourage somebody. And uh, so what we're looking at is how can we encourage others? However, we cannot give what we do not have. So part of this series has been about learning to Get yourself encouraged and keep yourself encouraged. Now, listen to me, church. It is a vital skill. I mean, it is vital. This is necessary that you know how to cheer you up. Some people get so spoiled and whatever I need. need, and, And we won't let anybody cheer us up. We just love to pout. And, and we've got to get over that. We've got to mature past that, grow past that. And we must have the ability to cheer yourself up, to encourage yourself, and, and further to keep yourself encouraged and we've given you some good tools and good weapons during this series uh, that i believe will help you and so if you're behind on this series if you've forgotten some things they're all archived online Uh, you can watch them again you can get the podcast all of that is free or you can purchase the cds they're just two bucks nobody sells cds for two bucks But we do it just because we're to steward the message and get the message out. So there's a bunch of ways. There's study guides that are given, all kinds of things, because we want to get this word into you because the word works. The word works. And so we've got to take God at his word and be fully persuaded he's able to perform what he has said. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so in encouragement, we've got to encourage and continue to encourage ourselves and then also the people around us. Never discourage, never take courage out of somebody because of your own insecurities or competitive nature or whatever. Don't discourage somebody else. Listen to me, discouraging and tearing down is devil's work. I hate to even tell you this, but I just spit on my glasses again. (laughs) Take two. But tearing down is the devil's work, and you do not sign up for that team ever. Amen? Amen. Conscientiously and consciously try to not discourage other people. We all need to be a little more self aware. We also need to be a little more uh, sensitive toward others. You need to be aware how you approach people. Uh, some people you're glad to see coming. Other people are like, oh, here we go. Right? And you want to be that kind of person that people are glad to see you coming. So, but we've got to be very aware of ourselves in the sense that how am I, what is my entrance like? What is my exit like? What is my tone? What is my volume? What do I say? What is my focus? What are my expressions? All of these things can really impact other people. And it's very, very important that we're aware of that and we're sensitive to others so that actually we're encouraging and not discouraging people. If you ever feel or or come to find out that you've discouraged somebody, that's a serious thing. So quickly and sincerely apologize to them and let them know, I am very sorry, I apologize that I discouraged you. Stop doing these sloppy apologies. If you feel that I have some way in, you know, no, just... I, I think I discouraged you. Would you, would you forgive me for that? That's wrong that I said that I did that or whatever that that discouraged you. Would you forgive me? And when you humble yourself like that, you know what? You won't. You won't do it many more times. And also, it releases grace. Humility releases grace, and it will help you in that. But that's a very, very important thing. Remember, and we we saw this last week that. Uh, Paul and company were encouraged by the coming of Titus. What was it about the coming of Titus? And we can learn from this that encouraged Paul and his, and his crew. And it was two things. It was Titus's presence and his words, his presence and his words. The same is true for us. We can encourage or discourage by our presence or by our, and by our words, Romans 12, eight in the new living. Uh, and this is listing the motivational gifts. There's many different gifts that the Holy spirit gives to people. And the main thing about a gift is you're to use it. You're to use it. And on Wednesday night, we're doing an extended series on the Holy spirit. I am so excited about where we're going with this series. So you don't want to be missing what's going on on, on Wednesday nights, but, uh, the Holy Spirit, one of the things he gives endows us with are motivational gifts. Some of those gifts are serving, teaching, giving is actually a gift, leading, showing mercy, and here encouraging in Romans twelve eight the first part of the verse, it says, "If your gift is to encourage others." be encouraging so if that's what you're gifted or grace to do then do that but understand this: some people are obviously more gifted more grace to encourage people but that lets no one off the hook because encouraging ready is a skill any skill can be practiced and if you practice it you'll improve so all of us are to improve you say well i'm just not that good at encouraging people well, we can work on that, you know, and, and you, you can practice on that and it's a skill and there's things that go with that that will help you to improve and be more of an encourager. Can I get an amen this far? All right. What I want to do this morning is add a couple of things to our toolbox, so to speak, to our skill set. that are going to help us and, and God will help us in these things as well. The first thing uh, as we start to wrap this up that will help us to encourage others is touch. Everybody say touch in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It says one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Get this verse. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their head and blessed them. In Genesis 48 and other passages, we find where patriarchs would bless their family, or bless an individual. And if you'll read those, you'll see this, and this is important. Touching and blessing go together. Now, a blessing includes that you invoke the help and favor of God on someone. You declare something good over someone's life that God says, yes, I can enforce that. I can I can do that in them. And so we are to bless one another. Come on, we're to bless and curse not. We're to encourage, we're to speak good things over somebody that God says, yes, I want to do that in their life. And so often in Scripture, though, we find this, and we don't know the full import of this, but there was also touching that would happen. And a lot of times the laying on of hands on the head or whatever, sometimes just the drawing near and speaking over. But touch is a very, very important thing, and it has to be handled in the right way. Studies show that you and I, all human beings, need 12 hugs a day, 12 hugs a day. And I don't believe you can really go over your limit. You need three just to survive. How many of you are on the critical list? Okay. Right. Three just to survive, six to maintain, nine to make progress, and 12 hugs a day to thrive. Now, when we're babies and and this is all fresh to me again, because I've got my my brand new baby grandson, and they brought him over to the house the other day, and we couldn't touch him enough, and everything he does is cute, look at his feet and his shoes and and we're holding him and kissing him and passing him around and looking at him and looking some more and looking closer and taking a picture of what we just looked at, you know, and just and he makes a mess, and that's cute. You know, oh, he stinks, oh, no, 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 no. you know, and there's, and then they're getting ready to leave now, you know, and we got to touch him some more. Everybody pass him around one more time. Look at him, kiss him, hold him, pass him again, get him back. Cause I didn't get to smell him and then we smell him then we pass him off. And that's part of bonding. And, and we don't even know why we do it. You just go nuts. It's They're just intoxicating, you know, but I think instinctively God knows we need that touching for, for bonding. And then as we grow older, people are not so excited about us. I mean you don't walk in the room, oh his shoes, come here, I want to smell you. Oh, he made a mess. It's different. And it probably would be weird if it was still that way that they're oh here, pass him over to me. Okay, you know. That would be weird, but we still have this need. We still have this need for touch and to be hugged and for all of that. And hear this, hear this carefully to be safe and to be pure because it adds so much and it can bring encouragement to people. So I think church is a good place to hug, to shake someone's hand, to hold their hand, to hold them, uh, to hug them. To pat them on the back. Not on the butt. <laughs> on the back. But follow this. But keep it pure. Amen. Your goal to come to church is not, I'm going to get my hug on. <laughs> and there's levels of intimacy. Do you understand? As some Some people you don't know. And they don't know you yet. So I don't think you should go up and go, I'm so glad you're here. I just, you, praise Jesus, you're here. I mean, you know, that'd be wrong. Okay. But, you know, so there's levels of, there's some people you're close to and some people you're married to and some people you wished you were married to, but you are not. Okay. And, and so all of those things we've got to certainly bear in mind and keep it pure. There's such healing and, and just power really in, in proper touch. And think of first grade buddies. You know, you got little guys who are just pure, they're innocent. They'll hold hands with each other. They'll put their arms around each other. Walk around, you know, and that's that's pure and that's awesome. Oh, that we could get that back. I remember when I was in fourth grade, and I've shared this story with you through the years, I'm sure. Um, it was over bad time in our family life my parents were in the ugly stage just before divorce and it was just it was it was horrible and um you know just a lot of things going on plus i already was a in a lot of trouble (laughs) i wasn't a mean kid i was just busy you know and and it was my gifts kicking in I felt if people were gathered together, I was supposed to talk, make them laugh, do things. And I didn't know it was the teacher's job, okay? And so that wasn't going well. But in fourth grade, I got to be on the safety patrol. That's the coolest thing that had ever happened in my life. You got this big orange belt that goes across here. I got a badge. I had a whistle. We had little helmets. I had a flag that you could let down and stop cars. We got to fold the flag and run it up and run it down. And, and, uh, it was a cool thing. And I, re- I remember distinctly walking into my fourth grade class one morning after finishing safety patrol and my teacher pulling me up, up to her desk. said, I need to talk to you. I was like, Oh, great. So she starts talking to me and she says this and that, and this and that, and you've got to do better. And I'm going to tell you what, Timmy and y'all, I'm not Timmy anymore. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> If this doesn't change today, I'm pulling you off a safety patrol. (laughs) Go sit down, do your work. (sighs) So I went and sat down and I could not work because I could not think everything stopped. And so much was going on in home and here and everything. And now I just, I couldn't. And the teachers walking up and down the aisle like teachers do, you know. Making sure you're not cheating and checking the things. Check that answer, you know. Go. And I, I could feel her coming. And I'm trying to work and I just can't. And she reached down and she put her hand on my shoulder, right by my shoulder and my neck. And she just gave me a little squeeze. I thought, she's going to choke me. <laughs> she didn't though. She just gave me a little squeeze and a little pat. Instantly, blood went back to my brain. And I could think, just that affirmation, that reaffirmation, there was something about that. And it is so, so important that there is proper touch. And I think church can be a place. It's unique to the family of God that we, in a pure sense, can encourage one another in the sense that we use touch in a right way, that you greet one another. This should be a good place, safe place to come. And to be able to embrace and hug and pat each other on the back. Remember, just the back, okay? And and there's health in that. There's encouragement in that. And there is a need somehow in all of us for that. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, speaking of Jesus, it said, he will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them close to his heart. The second thing is words. Everybody say Words. Now, your words are good, and I hope that you try to use good words. But I think best when our words are in sync with his words, that the words that we would share with somebody then would be encouraging to other folks. The greatest source of encouragement or discouragement are words. So it's important that we're using right words. And God's words are life-giving. I think you should use scripture. Now, I don't think just... You know, rattle it off and preach and just be religious and dogmatic. You know, that's not going to encourage somebody. Cliché and and rigid and all of that. But how about take something that meant something to you that you learned along the way and comfort others with the same comfort that you yourself were comforted with. That word comfort also includes the idea of encouragement. And that you use something. You say, you know, know, I know you're going through this. You know, one time I went through something similar to this. And... I found in the word or somebody shared with me this promise. And this is what got me through. And I've got areas of my life and seasons of my life where I can take you back and I can tell you the word of God that I hung on to and got me through a situation and his word sustains us. Jeremiah says, "It is your word that sustains me." He said in Jeremiah 15:16, "Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts." And if that doesn't encourage you, I don't I don't know what does. Paul talked about the fact that we draw encouragement from the scripture in Romans 15:4. And it's vital then that we know scripture Instead of somebody needing encouragement, we're going, well, I'm sure the Bible says something here. Just hold the Bible. That'll help you. No, it would do good that you knew some scripture, specifically some promises from God's word. And for every problem, there is a promise. And it would, you you would do well for yourself and encouraging others to know some of those promises. And here's one Isaiah 35 verse four, say to those who are fearful hearted, or maybe they're discouraged, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. You can take promises like that. And you can say to somebody, I said this To somebody yesterday on the phone going through a situation. I said, you be strong and do not fear. God will come. God will work this out. We'll look back in a little while and we'll see that God has worked this out. So hang in there. And so it's important that we're able to encourage people with our words. Carrying the word of God and the truth of of God's word to help bring courage to them. Also under words, let me mention something to you. That the Bible calls prophecy. Now, sometimes when we mention prophecy, we think that it's just about telling the future. That's one aspect of it, but that's not the emphasis here. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says this, But one who prophesies, strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Now, we're not talking about being weird or spooky or judgmental or doom and gloom, but this is something that the Holy Spirit would bring you and give you to say to somebody... Uh, it literally means the inspired teaching and preaching. This is one aspect of it. I had somebody ask me a couple of months ago, do you all ever have prophecy in the church? And I said, every service. Because inspired teaching and preaching is one, one fashion. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start to learn a little bit more in our Holy Spirit series about some other forms of prophecy that God wants to work with within the body as well. But prophecy also is the speaking forth of the mind and counsel of God, inspired utterance, To speak under inspiration. To utter a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. And sometimes, hear this, sometimes you're trying to encourage somebody, check on the inside and God may be giving you something to say to them. Y'all, this is supernatural. That God would give you something to say to them that may be the thing that helps them to keep their boat floating. It may help them to just stay encouraged. And I'm telling you what, if God gives you something to speak to them, that's an exciting thing. But here's the caution. If it's not there, it's not there. I said, if it's not there, it's not there. Don't gather somebody close to you and yay and here and ye and me. And... Get back with you. And I've known people before make up stuff. There's warning in scripture. He warned people. He said, you do that and you're a false prophet. And he says, don't say what I did not say. Don't say what I did not say. Because it will bring shame and curse. And when you do have prophecy, you've got an inspired word for somebody. Can I give you just a little suggestion on this? Because I believe things are received according to how they are delivered. Don't come off so strong and authoritative. Well, the Lord told me. Why don't you wind it back a notch and just say, I believe God's wanting me to tell you this. I sense that the Lord wants you to know. Rather than coming off, it's not the you show. This is God wanting to use a vessel to say something that saves somebody's life and help them along. And so I think the approach is very, very important there. Prophecy will bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. All of that adds up to encouragement. All of those are manifestations of the encourager, the Holy Spirit. And let me add one other thing here on words. Have you ever felt discouraged, kind of felt that heaviness, and you've kind of tracked and processed, and you can't really locate what it is? We've talked in the last few weeks that disappointment comes as part of life. And if you don't deal with disappointment, then it kind of goes down into discouragement. And if you don't deal with it at the discouragement level, you know, it goes on down, depression and defeat and so forth. And it's important that we deal with things up at this upper level. And sometimes, and this happens to me, sometimes that I'll, you know, maybe something's weighing on me and I'll, what is that? And I can think, oh, you know what? I need to take care of that. Or, you know what? I handled that wrong. I need to go make that right. Or... Or whatever, and you, and you can kind of feel, or you know what? Yeah, that is bothering me. And you can take it to God in prayer and deal with it. And then sometimes I can't find what it is. Listen to me carefully. I can't find what it is. What is that? What is that? And I've really come to know over the years, there's an enemy of your soul. And he likes to just weigh you down sometimes. And lie to you and make you think you're just melancholy. You're just a sad person by nature. And you've, you've got to understand something. Now let me, let me take a little trip back into the gospels real quick. There's a time where Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Burning, raging fever. Jesus showed up and listen to me. The scripture clearly says that Jesus spoke to the fever. And it obeyed him. He, Jesus spoke to a fever and it obeyed him and it left. And you say, well, that's Jesus. Well, hang on. And there are other times where there were demon spirits doing things to people. And you need to know that's reality too. And Jesus would speak to them and they would obey him. They would leave. They would go into pigs. They would do whatever he, he told them to do. You say, well, that was Jesus. Okay. Jesus wraps up the ministry. And he says, all power has been given to me. And now I'm giving you the authority of my name. That you can go in my name. Don't go in his name. Go in the name of Jesus. I mean, use the name. Don't be dancing around and go in his name. No, the name is Jesus. Everybody say it. Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the name that is above every name that is named. There are a lot of names that like to puff themselves up, but listen, kings and kingdoms will all pass away. That's right. Amen. But the name of Jesus is above every name that is named, and all power in heaven and earth and everything in between is vested in the name of Jesus. And he said, I give you the use of my name. What that really means is he has given you, you ready? A badge. And that badge represents all the authority that is in the name of Jesus. It's not you, it's not you getting yourself all worked up, putting on camo, screaming whatever it would be. It's just the use of the name of Jesus. And I do this. I did this a couple of times this week. You know, you think that I just, you know, come up here and do this deal and go off. Listen, the devil does not want the word preached. He doesn't want you encouraged. But Jesus is my Lord, and I'm on a mission, and no weapon formed against me would prosper. And you got to know those things along the way. But listen, you know, it's, oh, I wish I was a pastor, then I wouldn't have any problems. i got thousands of problems. Oh, I, sorry. I'm teasing. Y'all are awesome. I'm telling you. But you know what, you get to that place, and you're like, what is this? I wanna tell you what you do. Take out your badge, so to speak. And here's simply what you do. And we've taught on this before. You just say to whatever that is, and you don't even know its name. You don't have to do some kind of little, tell me your name. I don't care. This thing is bothering me and weighing me down. In the name of Jesus, Leave me now. Okay? Wait, we're going to practice. We're going to practice. I'm going to do it again for you. You stir your heart in the authority of Jesus' name, faith in his name. In the name of Jesus, leave me now. All right, we're going to practice it. Ready? In the name of Jesus, leave me now. Okay, now you don't have to feel something super duper. You don't have to have some Bible college degree. Things may not be all hunky-dunky in your life right now, but the authority and the power is in Jesus' name. And he's against the one who is against you. Amen. And he's giving you the right and the power to use that name. Use the name of Jesus and rebuke that junk that would try to get on you. And you say, well, what if it's something I can take care of? Hey, take care of it in every way that you can, but don't let that stuff lay on you. Can I get an amen out of the people today? All right. One last thing. Don't worry about the time we started late. <laughs> Lastly, be an example, or let me just put it this way. Be and do. Everybody say be and do. I think one of the greatest ways that you and I can encourage somebody is to be ourselves, full of God, with everything in us, trying to walk this thing out right, where we just be and do. And when we work hard, we take responsibility for things. We know how to encourage ourselves. It's not about perfection, because when we fall, we do what? Get up. Come on, when we fall, we do what? We have a little saying around here. I'm either up or I'm, yeah. or I'm getting up. A righteous man may fall seven times, but seven times he'll arise again. Amen. And you just keep getting back up and it kind of goes with gravity. It kind of goes with this earth. It kind of goes with the turf that we're on. But we keep getting ourselves up and we walk around with kindness. And we're good to people and we help people out. And you hold a door to somebody you don't even know. And you carry some grace with you and you carry some peace and you carry some class with you. And you have wisdom from above and you have some courage from within, from God. And you just walk out this life and just be and just do. And as you do that, it's going to encourage and inspire other people. The people that move me are people that are being and doing. And they're not looking to see who's looking to see them be or do. They're just leaning into this thing and doing it with a pure heart unto God. And they've got problems, but you know what? They bear up under a manfully and they call to Jesus as their source. And in the midst of all their problems, they're still kind and gracious and generous to other people around. them. And they believe God's word. They trust God's word. And you just be and you just do. And it's going to turn somebody on and it's going to bring them into victory. David and Goliath. How many of y'all heard the story? I'm not going to read the story. It ends the same way every time. But David showed up. Shepherd boy brought some subway and chips and Gatorade for his brothers. Read the Bible. He showed up with these things and he found this giant. And this giant has cursed their gardens, mocking them and they're hiding. I won't go into the whole story. But David said, God, you delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion. This guy doesn't even have fur. And he knew that God would do that too. And David just, how do I say this? He bead and he did. He just went and was and did. And where before he defeated Goliath, they fled, they hid. And the scripture said they were dreadfully afraid. I mean, that's serious afraid. But once David just went out and was and did, it said that they rallied and they jumped and they rejoiced and they shouted and they pursued and they plundered the Philistines. They came into victory. They got encouraged because one guy would just be and do. Something happens to me when I watch somebody truly worshiping God. It moves me to worship. When I see somebody working hard at something, it moves me to want to work hard. When I see somebody who's incredible at what they do, you you constantly need to be exposed to greatness. You do because it pulls you up. I expose my children to greatness. I want them to hear great music. I want them to see great art. I want we we go to New York, we go in the museums. Look at this. I want them to see it maybe at the time they're like But the time goes on, they've been exposed to greatness, and the next time they see junk, they'll they'll recognize it. But when I see somebody who's great at what they do, that moves me, makes me want to be better at what I do, makes me want to work harder at what I do. And you need to be around people like that. And you need to be exposed to people like that. Because I'm telling you there's a principle that when somebody sets an example. And they just go about their business to be and to do. And with the help of God, it's going to encourage people like nothing else that you could do. And you and I are called to live lives of examples that are going to cause other people to be encouraged. As we do this, in Matthew five sixteen it says, let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And if you and I, as we be and do, can somehow get folks to look at God and glorify him. Then we're truly, hear me, we're being salt and light. And when we are salt and light, it will help other people to taste and see that the Lord is good. And the bottom line, the bottom line is connection with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus. That's what makes people whole. That's what helps people to live a life that has courage. The Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And he commanded him, you be strong and very courageous. I'm going to be with you the whole time. So be strong and be very courageous. Courageous, And so you and I, as we be, and as we do, we can know that God is with us. Courage is a renewable resource. The world's looking for renewable resources. Courage is one. God is the God of all comfort and courage. And as we involve ourselves, hear me, when you involve yourself in encouraging other people, you're going to be encouraged. It's a law. God will see to it. You sow, you're going to reap. You water others, you're going to be watered. You bless, you refresh, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be refreshed because of this renewable resource. You comfort others with the comfort that you yourself have been comforted with. It just keeps on coming back and coming back. Keep yourself encouraged. It's hard to pull this thing to a close. Keep yourself encouraged encouraged and make it your business your ministry to be an encouragement to other folks i'm gonna stop right there did you get anything at all out of this today all right thank you lord